Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Himalaya. Since emotions are so fast and sloppy, we have to sit down and take the time to make sure we understand them. And understanding yours is one thing. Understanding the emotions of the person with whom you are dealing is quite another. I'm going to try to, in this pod course, help you get that done. Hello, how are you? This is Judge Lynn Toller, and I'd like to welcome you to the next episode of That Conversation. That Conversation is designed to help you talk to the person that you're in love with. Now, in our last episode, we talked about emotional intelligence, how you should take a look at who you are, where you're from, and what you've been through in order to help you determine what you want to say and how you want to say it. Today, we're going to concentrate on the emotional underpinnings of the person that you're talking to. Because if you don't understand their emotional base, where they're coming from, your communication will suffer. I'm going to start by telling you a story. This story happened when I was a judge in a municipal court. I was sentencing a guy on a domestic violence charge. It just so, and this was early on in my career. I hadn't been at it long. And this particular day, My mother happened to be in the gallery, just kind of watching what her kid was going to do on the bench. So this guy comes up and he tells me the story of what happened. The prosecutor said what had happened. He pled no contest. And then I did what a judge friend of mine calls the acid rain dance. The acid rain dance is when you just level somebody. You tell him what he did wrong, why it was wrong, why it was appropriate and inappropriate, and then I tied it all up with a jail sentence, and off he went. Afterwards, my mother came back into my chambers, sat down, looked at me, and said, let me tell you what you did wrong. Now, here I am, a chick with a degree from Harvard, a doctorate in law, and my mother is telling me I did something wrong. And you know what I did? I listened. And let me tell you why. Degrees are nice, but experience is one of the best teachers. And my mother had a great deal of experience. This is what she told me. She said, Lenny, I know that you think you did the right thing. And clearly that guy was wrong. And clearly you were right to be angry with him. But what I want to ask you to do is to ask yourself, what was that conversation you had with him about? From what I saw, it was about you getting angry 
and just unloading on him. But what I believe your job as a judge is, is to redirect people, is to give them somewhere to start to make a change so when they get out of jail, they just don't repeat what they've already done. What you just did in that courtroom is not start to send him on a new journey. What you did was reinforce that man's belief that the biggest problem in his life are the women in it. Now he's sitting in jail thinking about that bitch he hit and that bitch who sat him down. And not only did you not help him, you hurt her because when he gets out, he's just that much more angry. From that day forward, I changed how I dealt with people on the bench. What I decided to do instead was start my conversations by asking them why they did what they did. Because the deep thing about that is, people will believe you don't understand their circumstances. And when they don't believe that you understand their circumstances, they won't listen because they think that you're off point. So what I did instead was talk. I was like, hey, what did she do? Was she annoying? She kept it up, didn't she? Just kept going and going and going with him until I found that the person that I was talking to really realized I understand whatever pressure or whatever need or whatever desire he had. And therefore, from that point forward, he would listen. And then I would start where he was, which was at the upset of the day, and slowly walk him home. I know how you felt. I know why you did what you did. Let me tell you why you're wrong. And let me explain to you why you'll be chilling in county jail for a hot minute. Now, do I believe that that changed everything? Do I think that I can stop domestic violence by a few words? Absolutely not. But what I did learn is that once you've made a connection with that person, they're more likely to hear what you said. And if you didn't convince them of anything, you might have started a pattern of thought that was different. Or at the very least, you didn't exacerbate the situation. You didn't make it worse by using the wrong words. I know it worked in some circumstances, not many, but some, because I got letters from jail where they wanted to tell me what they think I got wrong about who they were. That meant that they were thinking about what I said. I've also had several men in court cry when I started talking about their daughters. If a guy had a daughter and he was in on a domestic violence case, what I would do was aim for his heart. I would say, you know, your daughter will live the life you give your wife. If you want to have your feelings hurt, go ahead, keep it up. And when your 15-year-old daughter comes home one day with her lips swollen and her eye busted because some dude did to her what she learned was okay to do from you, you will be leveled. So what's that got to do with romantic relationships? I'll tell you. 
You're listening to That Conversation, a Himalaya Learning production. For exclusive content and to talk to me directly, go to Himalaya.com and enter the promo code Judge Lynn at checkout to get your first 14 days free. We hope you enjoy. We humans think we're awfully rational. We can do some very extraordinary things, but at the base of it, we are very, very emotional people. And our emotional underpinnings determine a lot of what we do. Now, in the last episode, I talked about your emotions, getting in touch with them and understanding what they are so you can use them in a way that allows you to have a conversation that does you some good. I'm going to ask you to take another step in that direction today and not only make a point of understanding your own emotional life, but the emotional life of your romantic partner. Now, communication in the context of a romantic relationship can be very, very difficult simply because it is romantic. Romantic relationships are full of great gushing emotions. Mother Nature was not playing when she put that desire to to, to couple up together so she can ensure the continuation of the species. A lot of the love thing that we do is so deep and emotional. And it's not just deep and emotional for us. It's deep and emotional for the person that you're with. So if you don't understand the emotions of the person that you're with, how in the world are you going to talk to them and communicate with them in a way that's meaningful? Emotions are fast and sloppy. I believe Daniel Goleman said that in his book, Emotional Intelligence. I believe, I'm not sure, but it's not mine. It's from somewhere else, but it is very, very true. So since emotions are so fast and sloppy, we have to sit down and take the time to make sure we understand them. And understanding yours is one thing. Understanding the emotions of the person with whom you are dealing is quite another. I'm going to try to, in this pod course, help you get that done. Romantic relationships occur on an arc. The conversations that you have 33 years deep into a marriage are quite different from the conversations that you have in the first 33 days of courtship. Like Chris Rock used to say, when you're first dating, it's your representative meeting his representative. Everybody's putting their best foot forward. Everybody's laughing at jokes and and, and, and sharing history and telling each other how cute they are and all of that. And what happens when you're in that state is the conversation, the feelings feel so good to you you start to feel like, ah, maybe this person is my soulmate. Maybe this person is the one. Because, you know, we tend to believe that. Our society has spent a lot of time putting bells and whistles on romantic relationships. You know how all the fairy tales end and they live happily ever after. And I ain't gonna lie, that's one of my pet peeves. And tell you the truth, if I can find out where they buried that guy who first wrote that sentence, I would go where he is, dig him up, knock him out, and bury him again. What we do in the beginning is enjoy the conversation. And I want you to, because that's part of it. Enjoy the flirting. Enjoy the fun. Enjoy the stories and the laughs. 
But put that in a bucket of courtship. Don't put that in the bucket of this is exactly who they are. Put that in the bucket of this is a piece of who they are when they're being the best person they can be. What I want to do is enjoy this bucket while I'm constructing another bucket that allows me to put in information about who that person is, what that person's been through, what his personality and peculiarities are. That's what I want you to do as you date. And part of that is separating all of the charm and the love from the things that you see. What kind of words do they use? Are they emphatic people? Are they critical people? Are they angry people? How do they deal with the other people in their lives that they're not trying to impress? Is he sweet and kind to you and loving and screaming and and carrying on at everybody else? Because you know, when the shine comes off of that new relationship, he's going to treat you like he treats everybody else. Is she a wanter? Is she a demander? Is she talking to everybody else about what she needs from them? Remember, if that's who she is with everybody else, when the new and shiny comes off of you, that's what she's going to want from you. You have to pay attention. You have to be somewhat objective in your assessments of how people feel so you can know how to take what they say. The emotional thing in a romantic relationship is so deep that I think I really need to emphasize how complex it is and how moving it is and how it can make you abandon logic. For example, let's do an extreme situation. Love scams. Love scams are very, very common. Criminals make billions of dollars off it each year. And what they've done is learn to use their words, their conversation, what they say in a way that pricks the emotional needs of vulnerable people. And then they get those people to send them money. And I don't know if you pay attention. I watch Dr. Phil sometimes, and I think it's just fascinating. People in the midst of a romantic scam can be presented with all of the rational evidence in the world that this individual is not, in fact, who he claimed to be. But because he or she, because women do it too, have been able to touch your heart and make you feel the way you want to feel, All the logic in the world is not enough to persuade you. Now, let me back it up a little bit and give you a less extreme example, but one that you might be more familiar with. Oftentimes in divorce court, I'll have a couple in there. One wants to stay, one wants to go. When I ask the one that wants to stay, what they believe is going on. They reiterate all of the love and the good feelings that they had in the beginning of the relationship. And they believe in their heart of hearts that that is the true nature of how that person feels about them. He loves me. He's my soulmate. She desires me. She makes me happy. She speaks to me. That's what they tell me. I, in turn, respond in this one particular occasion is, how is your belief that he is your soulmate 
consistent with the understanding that he slept with your sister a couple of months ago. Emotional life, rational life. I have sat in that courtroom and seen one partner tell the other partner in a thousand different ways that they don't want to be with them anymore. But instead of hearing all of those thousands of ways they say they don't want to be with anymore, they hang on to the one or two statements inside of all of those thousand statements that says that they still love them and they hang on to them like it's the last life best on the Titanic. They hang on to them because those beliefs support what they want and not what's really before them. What I'm asking you to do is to take a look at what's happening, what's being said, and in so doing, you'll be able to have a conversation based on fact and not feeling. Now, let's go on to the conversations that you have with your romantic partner later in the relationship. You're past the initial love stage. You're getting to know each other better. You might be in an exclusive relationship. Heck, you might be living together or married. And what you are trying to do at this juncture is meld your lives. In other words, you're, you're a committed couple, so things have to be adjusted because now you're doing a lot of things together. What you need to have an understanding of in order to get this part right is how that person is emotionally and what they've been through. Just like you did in the episode before where I talked about understanding your own personality and the things that you've been through, you have to understand objectively their personality and the things that they've been through. You know, one of the best things I ever did before I married my husband was sit in a house and watch him talk to the people that he grew up with, his siblings, his fathers. It taught me a lot about how he conducts business. And had I been a more uh, less emotional person at the time, I would have used that information to make the first couple of years of our marriage a little less difficult, but I didn't have the wisdom to do it, but I do have the time to tell you about it. When you watch other people or the person that you are in love with conduct business with other people, it teaches you about who they are and what they've been through in a more objective level. And it allows you to approach the issues that you're going to be in when you're in a more committed relationship in a more rational way. Because emotions ease their way into every conversation you have, no matter what the topic. Let me give you an example. One of the difficulties that my husband and I had when we first got married was with respect to money. And money is often a very difficult thing for people to agree on and people to discuss in the midst of a relationship. For instance, some people use money to keep score. Their personal value is in part determined by how much they have. Some people use money for fun. They're not worried about it. They're not upset about it. They just say, I got money in. That means I have fun to have and I'm going to use it to have that fun. Some people use money to control other people. 
Some people use money to make themselves feel safe. That would be me. You see, I like to have my money in the bank. I like to look at it. I like to touch it. I like to wrap it around me like a blanket because it makes me feel safe. It makes me believe that I will not one day be a bag lady on the street worrying about where my next meal comes from. Money for me is security. For my husband, money was quite a different thing. It was a way to enjoy himself. Now, he wasn't irrational about it. He wasn't a spendthrift. But what he was was a guy who had had a lot of responsibility early on. He was the sole breadwinner and he was struggling. And now we had two incomes, two new people. And he thought we should use some of that money to really enjoy ourselves. So when we argued about what was coming in and going out, we agreed on the facts. We just didn't know what it meant. Until we figured out what money meant to each of us and to the other one, we were talking about a subject, but we weren't able to resolve it because we weren't discussing the emotional underpinnings of the opinions that we had. And that's what we needed to discuss. As you evolve in your relationship, you are going to be required to discuss a great deal of things from where you live to how you live, to what you do, to your friends, to going out, to what you expect, what fidelity means to you, what cheating is, your social media, how often should you post? All of these things you have to come to some agreement on. And all of these things, what you need with respect to them is based upon how you feel. You understand how you feel, or at least you should if you're paying attention to the things I told you to pay attention to in the last episode. But I also want you to pay attention to how the other person feels so you can address that and not just the topic that you're discussing. If you understand the emotional background you can deal with that and the emotional background, giving people what they need to feel how they want to feel is what allows you to carry the relationship forward in a rational fashion. So let me go back to my original story so we can bring this whole thing home. My basic point is this. You have to understand where people are, what they mean and how they feel, so you can understand how to best approach them, so you can have the most meaningful conversation. Let me give you an example of how this breakdown, if you don't do that kind of thing, will send you off track. I had a couple in divorce court in which the young man had a religious awakening in which he abandoned the religion that they shared, Christianity, and became something else. He was very, very committed to his new religion. It was an awakening for him. It was so meaningful to him. And he wanted his wife to take on that same emotional awakening, that, that, that same religious fervor. He got a lot of flack for changing his religion, as people often do, especially if 
the religion that you were in, you're surrounded by those people and they and they they see you leaving that religion as you leaving your salvation, as you leaving the community. And he was so emotionally committed to, I am not going to be deterred from the truth because other people don't understand it, that he was upset anytime anyone said anything to him that was not completely supportive. His wife was trying to get on board with him. She was ready to give up Christmas. She was ready to tell her parents that she did not want to be a Christian anymore. But she was struggling because she had to lose so much of who she was and what she was and the people that she dealt with in order to come along with him. She was telling him that she was upset about what she was losing, but she was telling him that that's why it's taking her time to get where he was. Instead of hearing her pain, instead of hearing her problems, what he heard was, I don't agree with you. And his belief that she didn't agree with him filled up his mind so he couldn't hear her words. I tried to reiterate what she was saying to him in different words, but he was so committed to the proposition that anything other than absolute acceptance was telling him that he was wrong, he was unable to get anywhere. Any conversation with him was unsuccessful. He would have been able to save his marriage had he been able to hear the emotional cries of his wife, had he been able to look past the practicality of it and seen the emotion of it. That's what I'm asking you to do at every level. If you're just getting together, if you're working, thing out, working things out, or if you've been together forever. Always be willing to put your feelings on pause and examine the feelings of others because that way you can start where they are and slowly walk them home. That's what I have to say. That's this episode of That Conversation. If you want to talk some more, join the community for That Conversation on Himalaya.com. Ask me some questions. I want to have a whole episode where that's what I do. Just answer your questions. So I want you to come along and have that conversation with me about that conversation you want to have with the person that you're in love with. Enjoy your love. Enjoy your life. But always be rational. Always be thinking. And always have all of your best conversational tools at the ready. Because conversation, communication makes everything that much easier. Until next time. To get the most out of this show, check out my exclusive episodes available only on the Himalaya Learning Platform. Himalaya Learning provides bite-sized courses from world-class thinkers and industry experts for you to enjoy in the app on the go. To talk to me directly and access exclusive content from other shows like mine, go to Himalaya.com and enter promo code JudgeLynn for your first 14 days free. We hope you enjoy. Enjoy.